Blog Talk Radio. Bless you, bless you. We're glad you tuned us in today. We're so happy that God has blessed us to enjoy a very good Father's Day. And I pray that every one of you fathers who are listening today has had a beautiful and a successful day and that all of your wishes have been granted. We hope that you will enjoy this message as I bring today. We're grateful for Reverend and uh, Prophetess uh, Stalling who makes this ministry possible for us to come to you over the airways today. And we're asking that you keep them in prayer. Also, keep in prayer my wife's place, sister, missionary, uh I mean, missionary uh, Matoya's mother, that's my daughter's mother, her husband's mother that passed away, missionary Florine Netherlands, missionary Florine Netherlands passed away. And uh, she was an outstanding lady for God, and her services are going to be next Monday, not tomorrow, but next Monday. And we ask that you pray for that family, that God will give them strength. Well, on today, I'm going to endeavor to bring a message. We have had a beautiful week. Evangelist Hankerson, the national president of the uh, Evangelist Department for the Church of God in Christ, uh, Ames Department, conducted a three-night revival in the spirit of the Lord met us in a mighty way. But today I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to two passages of Scripture. First, we're going to uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st verse. Shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And he shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house and when 
thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. There's another scripture that I'm going to join with that, and it's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. From those two scriptures, I am going to use the subject, the ideal father, the ideal father. Father's Day was first suggested by Mrs. John Bruce Dodd of Spokane, Washington. And uh, she saw the initial observance of this day, June 17, 1910, in honor of her own father, William Smart, who was a Civil War veteran who had reared his six motherless children by himself. I think it's wonderful when a mother passes away and the father undertakes that task to raise those children when many other things they could be doing. That's the mark of an ideal father. The idea of an annual observance of Father's Day was given considerable publicity, but it was not received with much enthusiasm at first. But Kate Swineford, who later became Mrs. Walter Burgess, became devoted to that day and a National Father's Day Association was formed in Virginia. In 1923, the third Sunday of June was fixed as the official day, and in 1924, President Coolidge recommended its national observance. Today, it has a fixed place in the calendar of special days in our country. Now, there are many different kinds of fathers, many different kinds of fathers. Some of them love and understand their children. Others do not. There is a type of father who feels his full duty is done if he brings home a paycheck. The rearing of the children is left entirely up to his wife, and he blames her if they do not turn out all right. He has no time for the children, providing for the body, but doing nothing for their soul. Another type of father is cruel and drunken, beating his children, ordering them around in a domineering way. They fear him, and they may obey him, but they do not love him. And as soon as they're large enough to make their own way, they'll leave the home 
His old age will be spent in loneliness, for he has forfeited the right to their concern and care. A third type is a domineering, egotistical kind of father who blusters and brags. He's an authority on everything, knows all the answers. You can't tell him anything, no matter how wrong he is. If anybody questions his wisdom, he gets mad and puts on a scene. What he says is final. He picks out the clothes for the children, tells them what careers they are to follow, chooses their husbands and wives, or makes them miserable as long as he lives. In contrast to these types, there is the ideal father who loves and understands men or the characteristics. Ideal father is a worker. He rules by love and not fear. He praises instead of finding faults. He is an example for the children. And he teaches the physical facts of life. He is fair and just with his children. I won't come back to that, but I'm going to skip a little bit because there are many kinds of fathers. Back in the ancient times, fatherhood carried with it an authority which would be very terrifying, very scareful, scary to young people of today. If back then children were disobedient, they could be beaten half to death or sold as slaves. Now today, children can sass their parents. They can fight them. They can do anything they want to toward the parents and get away with it. Nothing happens. But then, back then, they would be beaten to death or sold as slaves. If they became exceedingly unruly, they might be thrown into a dungeon until they were willing to change their ways. If they were so stubborn and willful in their wickedness that they were considered hopeless, their career of lawlessness was stopped while still juveniles by having them stoned to death. Indeed, so great was the demand for reverence of parents that if a child even cursed his parents, the penalty was death. Today, the law of love is the basis of authority. Children are commanded by the Lord to obey their parents, and parents in turn are to teach them the laws of God and bring them up in the right path. Fathers are honored not simply because of the fact of fatherhood, but because they have been fathers in caring for their children and have won their affection and devotion. I remember uh, years ago, uh, back in the uh, 50s, uh, when I was going to college, how there was uh, a family where the mother had died and the father had uh, several girls, and he would take care of the girls, try to do the hair. Some people would laugh at him because he was not uh, very adept at doing girls' hairs. There are so many kinds of fathers to be found in the world today, some good, some bad. But just now, for a while, 
let us turn our attention to some types that are found in the Bible. There was a father by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh was an example of evil. Manasseh was the most wicked king who ever lived. He reestablished in Jerusalem the licentious pagan Baal, which had been built heathen altars in the holy temple. He offered up some of his children, even as human sacrifices, depended on enchantments and sorcery, went to fortune tellers and wizards for guidance, and was brazen in his disobedience of Jehovah. And what was the result? His children became just like him. And it was said of Ammon, the son who succeeded him, uh, who was like him, but Ammon did evil in the sight of the Lord, as did his father Manasseh. In fact, so evil was Ammon that within two years he was murdered. Children do become like their fathers. If a father is a liar, many of them become liars. If a father is a drinker, many of them become drunkards. If a father cheats, they learn how to cheat. If a father is immoral, they become immoral. When children begin to pay the price of evil, however, they cease to admire their father, and many of them turn on their fathers in hatred. Another father is Eli. Eli was a good man who let his boys run wild. Now, you, if you're a parent, if you're a father, never let your children run over you. But you need to, don't, you need to use the rod while they're young. Spare the rod and you spoil the child. It is a pitiful thing to see a good father who has bad sons. It's quite disgusting to see a good man who does nothing to restrain his children from wrongdoing. Maybe Eli didn't understand them or have time for them, being one of the judges of Israel. Perhaps it was his duty, busy life, that kept him from instructing the boys, going on trips with the boys, or guiding them in wise choices. Perhaps he depended on his wife. I don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that the lack of restraint led them to such wrongdoing that they never were allowed to become judges, as was their father. They became and they came to a very early end. So powerful as the example of fathers, good or bad, that children naturally follow in their footsteps. And fathers who care will find time for a personal interest in their children, and they will lead them in the way which they should go. Another father, a very ideal father, was Joseph. Joseph was a good father. He was also a foster father. It's wonderful for a man to be chosen father of the year. I remember I had a good father, you know, though my dad and I uh, weren't close when I was very tiny, but as I grew up, my father and I got very close. But I was raised by my stepfather, and my stepfather was closer to me than my blood father. My stepfather taught me most of what I know when it comes to life, how to live, and how to get along, how to treat your wife, and things like that. 
how to work. He trained me how to work, how to build, and I thank God for that. And then told me some things just before he died that I haven't even shared with the other brothers and sisters because they were so touching. But Joseph was a good father. Do you know that he had Jesus, uh, born of the Virgin Mary? If they seek out the very finest men in the realm to be tutors and princes, how much more important would it be the man who would care for the Son of God? What sterling character he must have had to have been an example for the Messiah. What wisdom, what wisdom and understanding he must have had to guide the little fellow, Jesus. What patience and tact he must have had as he faced the problems of youth with the boy who was gradually growing toward maturity when the fullness of deity would be present in his soul. Yes, there were even six children of his own, besides Jesus, the son of Mary. Four boys were mentioned by name, and there were at least two girls. The names of the girls are not given. A man can be pretty good, well judged by the kind of children he has. And I thank God that I have four children, and from what I can see and what people say, they were raised pretty good, and they turned out to be very good children. You know, uh, I have a preacher's son. I have two daughters that are missionaries. I have another daughter that's a lead singer, choirs and things like that. All of them are saved. All of them are working for the Lord. So I don't think that I've done a very uh, bad job as a father. In fact, I tell people I feel like I am a millionaire. My children never had to be arrested, never had to go to jail or prison, and I'm grateful for that. Well, Jesus was a great man, and he had his early training through his foster father, Joseph. Another father was Zebedee, Zebedee who gave his boys their chance. We don't know a lot about Zebedee, the father of James and John, but they were in the fishing business on the Sea of Galilee and prospering sufficiently for them to have employees. Fishing was an important business in that part of the country. We're told that the pickle fish of Galilee were so fine that they were served on the emperor's table a thousand miles away. It was something like the salmon business on the Columbia River. When James came along and found the sons a talent for leadership and invited them, I mean, when Jesus came and found them sons a, a talent for leadership, he invited them to follow him for special training. Zebedee did not object. He knew that there are things more important than making money and that young people are not happy unless they're doing what they really want to do. I wonder what kind of father are you? You fathers that are listening to me, you men must decide for yourselves, but you got to be sure of this. When Father's Day comes around each year, the ones who are honored are going to be the good ones for whom the children have love and gratitude. And I'm wondering what kind of father are you? Are you that father that's going to set an example? Are you the father that's a worker? I'm so glad 
that a good father, an ideal father, is a worker. He believes, on the, as the scripture said, if a man doesn't provide for his family, he is worse than an unbeliever, and he seeks to make a good living for them. He teaches his children that the world doesn't owe them a living and that they must not expect to receive anything except a return for services that they render. That ideal father teaches them to do their share in the work of the home and to learn to accept responsibility. He rules by love and not fear. He doesn't beat the children unmercifully and shut them up in dark rooms. He knows that fear will create complexes and which often spoil lives for many years to come. He doesn't constantly scold the children, for scolding is a hurt to the soul, which is worse than a hurt to the body, and often leaves lasting scars. A good father, ideal father, is positive in his suggestions. A boy one time fell asleep, into, fell into some deep water and had to be rescued. He was forbidden ever to go near the water again and was scared with thoughts of death. When the other boys went swimming, he never would go alone. They called him Freddy Cat and Sissy. How much better it would have been if the father had taught that boy how to swim. I know the early days of the church, they said, told us, it's a sin to swim. But one of the superintendents in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, told me when I was 12 years old, said, boy, it's not a sin to swim. The sin is if you are in a boat and it falls over, you fall out of the boat. If you don't know how to swim, you're going to get killed. So sometimes we got to learn how to do things that some people may not understand why we do them. A good father, an ideal father, praises instead of finding fault, knows that children can't be judged by adult standards. They do make mistakes for lack of judgment and experience. He encourages them to try again. If the young child comes screaming into the house saying, there's a big black bear in the yard, he doesn't use the strap on him for telling a lie. He urges him to be brave and go show him where the bear is, and they go out together to find that that bear is not really a bear, but it's a huge black dog. Don't you know the idea of father is an example for children? He doesn't swear, but teaches them to use the name of God reverently. He cuts out bad habits, not only for his own sake, but because he knows they will spoil the lives of the younger ones who imitate him. He never lies to his children, for he knows they will only lose respect for him, but will come to be liars themselves. He is honest in his dealings, and the children never have to be ashamed of him. He doesn't sit around home on Sunday morning reading the funnies, but gets the family up early enough for them to go to Sunday school, to be taught and trained about the Lord so they can be taught how to grow up and come up in the right way. He teaches them the physical facts of life. He begins with their very first question to tell the things that they want, that he wants them to know. He knows that sex is not dirty unless people make it dirty and talks about it as if it were a natural thing. He wants his children to be clean-minded, clean in their life, and so he teaches them 
in the right way rather than let them go to some gutter strip of midnight ramble and told tell, and find out things that are ungodly, distorted, and untrue. He puts the right kind of books into their hand. It doesn't have to be Playboy, but you need to put the Bible in their hand so that they can study the Word of God. That ideal father is fair and just with his children. He does not play favorites and give certain good privilege to some and don't allow others to have the same thing. He invites them to be a part of a family council, helps them to make decisions which are to govern those in the home. And when the young people are old enough to have finished school and are working, he does not demand their whole paychecks. It's all right for them to help out. He will allow them to share in their expense of the home, but only in the case of misfortune will they accept more. He he finds time to associate with his children. Oh, I'm so glad that my parents had time for me. I'm so glad that my stepfather had time for me. I'm so glad that even though my mother worked and even though she cooked and did things like that, my stepfather was always there, and they had time for each other, to respect each other, to work together to pray together, to go to church together. And that's what I'm trying to say to you fathers today. I pray that you will be an ideal father and that you will hold up a standard for God. I pray that you will let your light shine so that people can see Christ in your life. And I want you to remember this. The story was told that there was a a group of people who had a habit that, once a man reached a certain age, they were taken to a very high mountain, and the oldest son would take him to the edge of that cliff and would push him off of that cliff because they wanted to keep the age kind of regulated. And so the boy got his father one day and was taking him to the mountain, and the old man started crying. And his son said, son, why are you crying? Don't you know I'm just doing what is the custom what we have been doing for many, many years, it's the custom for you to cast me over. And the old, the boy, the old man told him, there was son, I'm not crying because you have to push me off this cliff. I'm crying that in a few years you're going to be old and somebody, your son, is going to have to push you off of this same cliff. My friend, God bless you. Be careful how you treat your father because sooner or later, where he is, you will be. May God bless you and may God smile on you and keep you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every father today. We ask a special blessing upon every home that is tuned in to this message on the day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fall richly upon the household, upon the father, upon that mother. We pray that healing would be in that home. Pray that deliverance would be in that home. We pray if there's any afflictions in the body, that that body would be touched and healed from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet. 
we pray that your anointing would be upon the family and that you would lead them and guide them into all truth. Now keep them by your mighty power. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit keep all of you in peace until we meet again. God bless you, and may God keep you. Amen.